Hello, Scott. Hello, David. How are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's a lovely sunny day. It is, isn't it? And we're stuck in a... Uh... What a fucking boring <laughs> chat to start off with. How British. Yeah, the weather's really nice, actually. Yeah, I know. And now we're in an underground bunker recording a podcast that no one's going to listen to. I know, and it's very dark. We've got some it's natural not light. dark. It's, we've got some natural light, kind of. Do we? The opposite of natural Define light. Define natural light. Well... Yeah, from the sun, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's some bulbs above us. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, welcome to today's podcast. Sponsored You're by Huel. <laughs> <laughs> not sponsored we're by not anyone. Sponsored by anyone yet? Just a disclaimer: Huel, don't sue us. We're not. We know we're not sponsored. By, we know we're not good enough. All right. So today, David, we are speaking about interest rates, aren't we? Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, you've got a little facts for me. Yeah, so I this isn't a really like any recent evidence or a recent newsworthy fact. Great. But <laughs> it was triggered by last week we started talking a lot about pain and I think I find pain science really fucking interesting. You look like you don't, yeah, but that's fine. It's all I think about. <laughs> and I think I'm gonna just try and crowbar it in in little <laughs> sprinkles. Um, and weirdly, I can't remember what triggered me this week to start think about this. Oh, it was... Um, I was listening to an audio book by David Mitchell. Who's that? The, the comedian? The peep show guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I was listening to his audio book, and it's really funny, and he, he, he kind of goes through, just kind of rants about the world and stuff. And it was like a really nice example of how pain can be really complex. I could imagine his audio book being really funny, by the way. It is, it is very <laughs> funny. It's literally just a man whinging. Um, yeah. But I've been listening onto the tube and just, just cracking up. And so this is, as I said, it's nothing new. It was from like 2008. But it was about how, and another reason I chose this fact, Scott, oh, yeah. was that it merges our two industries. Ooh. So it's, it's about cool. pain, yeah. but it's also about money. Okay. okay, so this study from 2008 showed that a placebo, yep. so do you know, you're aware of placebo, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not, okay. So, I'm not an idiot, David. <laughs> <laughs> so the effect of a placebo medication, pain relief medication, can be heightened by paying more for it. So... Ooh, okay, hang on. So... So, so when you, you go to the supermarket, right, yeah. you've got the shit Tesco own brand medications, yeah, and then yeah. you've got the Nurofen, the yeah, branded yeah. products. It's like buying, the, yeah, as you say, Nurofen or the Clar- Clarins, no, not Clarins, um, the, the Pyroton one. Pyroton. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, so you get branded medications, and then you get, like, Tesco Tesco's yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the BTEC medications. Yeah. They're the same thing. Yeah. Right, the, the the active ingredients in them are the same thing, um, but yeah, in this study, I think they got like they got eighty people, and they electrocuted their wrist or something. Other, yeah, I think they provided electric electric stimulation to a wrist, a painful stimulation, and then they gave them a placebo, so nothing with any active pain medication in it, but they told them that yeah, this is a new drug that we're trialing. It's expensive. It's, it's, so yeah. so they gave them. They gave them either one that they said was reduced down to ten cents, okay, or one that cost two pound fifty. In the 
in the tens or two dollars fifty yeah. in the ten cents group. So really interestingly, both tablets work in terms of people say my pain reduced because of the sure. tablet. Power of the placebo. Then. Power of the placebo. Yeah. But in the ten cents group, sixty one percent of them were like, "Yeah, my pain is better." Whereas in the two two dollar fifty one. 81% said that wow. they got better. So there was a, a heightened effect of the placebo by people thinking that it was a more expensive drug. That's mad, isn't it? Because it's essentially your brain can just do so much to you and you don't exactly. even realise. Yeah, yeah. And, we, um, and that's what I mean about the... I said it last week and I got a bit lost of like, I don't yeah. know how to explain pain posture and pain yeah, not being the yeah, same yeah. thing but it's like pain is so complex yeah. to the nature of a placebo mm. being more effective if you paid more for it and that's where and actually coming back to why i heard it on david david mitchell's audio book he was he was actually relating it to neurofen the company i think had a quite a big lawsuit back in 2016 17 kind of time where they had been in their advertising saying that like this this medication is for back pain or yeah, they yeah. said they had different brands like of targeted pain, migraine right? pain relief yeah, yeah. and there's no that's not how pain relief works I've it always wondered that I've always been like it's not like oh how, let's get to the back quickly yeah, yeah, and help yeah. like, <laughs> how they like built this drug so it knows exactly which part of the body's getting it doesn't, it doesn't. nonsense just, exactly so yeah, they got yeah, done yeah. by the advertising um what's that called the 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 people that regulate regulate trustworthy yeah, yeah. adverts basically and they they got done, I think, from an advert where it was like a woman with period pain, and they sure. there, there was like the imagery of the drug going right. to there, and they yeah. were like, "This isn't real." <laughs> but equally, on that note as well, I think ninety percent when when around that time, one of the newspapers said that ninety percent of people surveyed shop for pain relief that. that's targeted. Yeah, yeah. So they'll go on Google and be like, Do "Back not, pain, pain I, relief." Yeah, so I actually remember that. In, I can see it in my head where it's like a guy holding his back or all the women as well and thinking yeah that is that is pretty impressive that they've, pretty, pretty impressive. impressive that they've managed to yeah as I say like program this this paracetamol essentially yeah. to to go to these specific places yeah. so I wanted to ask you a question yeah on around this stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. if the placebo effect is heightened by oh, no, I'm the still higher, buying the cheaper one. The higher, no, no, <laughs> and obviously you are. You're the fucking cheapest bloke I know. Um, <laughs> if if people aren't aware of this fact, for example, now you're aware of it, the placebo effect wouldn't work with a higher price point. True. But is it unethical for companies to say back pain, pain relief, if it actually does mean their back pain reduces more? Ah, that is a good question. Thank you. Is it unethical? I guess it's not going to work on everyone, is it? Like, it's the 20% of people where the placebo doesn't work, mm. where you've just given them a sugar pill mm. and they paid for a sugar pill thinking they've got mm. something else. So from that point of view you've you've sold a product and you've supplied something completely different but for the 80% of people it does work for who cares if it's working mm. for them 
I can't answer that question. I know. Do you, I just, do, I just have you, to have you got an opinion? I haven't got an answer. Yeah. I haven't got an opinion. I, I think we've got to be transparent with advertising and... Um, sorry. <laughs> sorry. What did I say? I don't know. I was taking a piss. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's important to be transparent, but I was... Yeah, and I like to give people the facts, but I there's loads the of fact. questions in and around this in, in medicine of actually, like, if it works, do we care why it works? Yeah. If somebody cracking your back makes you think that your back is far better, there's no evidence to actually say that that changes anything in the back and makes you far better. Yeah, yeah. But if people pay you and you do it and their back pain gets better because they believe it. If drinking mushroom coffee makes you yeah. think that you're more intelligent... Is that a bad thing? I don't know. Anyway, David. that's a that's, that's a, a thought to ponder. Yeah, yeah, no, that your Thursday it, afternoon. It is an interesting one, um, and I yeah, I can't. We'll add, get into. I it can't add. Time. Yeah, we'll I, get into it. It's another a good time. topic for another time, actually. Placebos. Thank you. Thank you. And now, on with the rest of the show. Scott, Dave, you've just described yourself off off air as the Yoda of finance, and I would like to to obtain some of your wisdom. So the first first finance podcast of of this series, what do we call this? What what are we doing? Series, series, series. We're going to talk a little bit about interest rates, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take you away from that right now everything seems shit these days in terms of cost of living and I hear about inflation rising all the time why is this happening Scott? Why? (laughs) Please tell me why Way back when can't remember it now is the global pandemic and we're all stuck at home except for you obviously and loads of other great people Um, But we're all stuck at home and we couldn't go out. We couldn't go spend on money, do any of this fun (coughs) stuff. And and what happened was everyone was just basically not consuming anything. And at the same time, because everyone was at home and not working, major global supply chains were all disrupted. So you've got this balance where demand is growing because everyone's saving money, essentially, not not spending it on... Um, go to work, going out, all this kind of stuff. And then on the other side, you've got supply chains that are all disrupted and stuff that we usually get without even thinking about weren't able to to come through. Um, and then to just put it, even to make everything even worse, you had Russia invading Ukraine. Ukraine are a big uh, exporter of different commodities. So that's where your food price inflation comes into it. Um, so there was lots of little things that really just compounded the the issue that we had. Um, and then as soon as we came out of the pandemic, there was this massive infl- uh, increase in demand. And obviously the demand supply balance was just ruined. So there was too much demand, not enough supply. And what happens? Prices increase. Okay, I think I get that. So a culmination of, of different 
external factors, I guess, in society and, you know, will be huge landmark moments in history, probably. But why is that a bad thing? So inflation actually isn't bad in itself. We, we target, most, most countries target a 2% inflation rate because you actually want prices to steadily grow because it encourages growth and it's, it's good for, when, you, when, when I say growth, and that means prices as well as wages, as well as economic growth. So it's, it is good, but what you don't want is when inflation gets out of control and when it branches way past that 2% target, like we've seen at the moment, it basically what happens is you lose consumers and everyone else loses their purchasing power so what that means is that if yesterday i could buy bread for one pound tomorrow i can buy bread for two pounds you can kind of like it it means i can't (coughs) shit it means (laughs) it means i can't buy as much right so what it actually ends up doing is decreasing demand overall and then decreasing growth and what that actually means is that if you get inflation spiraling out of control something called hyperinflation people will tend to hold their money for like literally a day and they want to get rid of it because the the next day their money's going to be worth less yeah so it just ends up in this spiral and it, it can just really completely damage damage all economies okay so you've started explaining inflation chatting about inflation but what does this mean in terms of can we control it? How do we control it? Yeah, no, we can control it. And when I say we, it's central banks. Central bank is a bank that is autonomous from government, so it's independent. We have one, which is called the Bank of England. US has one called the Fed, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what the ba- central bank can do, they have two main um, weapons at their disposal so they can control money supply in the economy and they can control interest rates so interest rate rates will be something that you obviously heard of just because everything's getting everything just keeps going up and up at the moment. i don't have any interest in them <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible Sorry. joke thank you um but it's they they use them as a way of controlling inflation so back in march 2022 when inflation really started getting going we had our first rate hike, is what you'd call it. Um, and that's where the base rate, so that's the, the rate that the central banks lend to other banks. So we never see, we never deal with the central bank. The central bank is some something that only other banks deal with. We deal with retail banks, obviously. But whatever the central bank does gets passed on to the consumer. So the central bank increased their base rate from pretty much zero to I think half a percent being the first one and it's been a steady steady increase up until now and the idea behind it is that if you increase interest rates it means that borrowing becomes more expensive so if you were paying one percent before and now you're paying five percent you're either going to borrow less or you're going to have to come up with more money to pay that extra interest rate back um and as a result, it reduces overall demand. And obviously, as I mentioned, demand was a real big factor in causing the inflation. So if, it, if demand starts to decrease, it means that supply has a chance to catch up and then hopefully prices start to come down. It's also beneficial for savers because it means that if you were 
getting 1% on your money in, in your savings account, you're now getting 5%. So it encourages saving, again, taking money out of the economy and reducing demand. Because if you're not spending it, you're saving it. And it just means that you're not going to be buying more stuff. Um, so the general idea is to, to lower demand in the economy, reduce growth for a little bit, um, which is obviously not ideal, but it is something that is necessary. And and it does have external external consequences, i.e., potential recessions and all this kind of stuff. But it is a it's a necessary evil to get inflation back under control. So what I want to know, yeah. Look, I'm not pointing any fingers, but I was told to invest in some shares. <laughs> now, I did that, and then. You know, I'm not going to blame you exclusively for, for the economy, the economy collapsing, but I want a scalp. Um, <laughs> so when I and, and look, okay, I'm joking. You, you you advised me and said, you know, don't invest what you what you can't afford to lose and all of those things. But my portfolio at the moment is in a minus. Okay, I'm sorry to hear that. You don't look sorry. I'm smiling. <laughs> um, but it seems to be getting less minusy. Mm. It seems to be going in a positive direction. Should I hold my chips? Is it gonna? Are they because of this? Is that because of the interest rate environment? Yeah, you're bang on there, actually, Dave. So if you think about what, let's take Amazon as an example. Okay, so if if the interest rate has gone up and demand has come down, okay. Less people are going to be buying Amazon shit, okay? That means that Amazon's profits are going down. As a result, their share price is also going to go down. And that's kind of what's happened across the board. So if you're trying to, which the central banks are trying to do, limit demand, it's it's going to have a negative outlook for company earnings. And if you have bad earnings, it means that share prices go down. So that's why your portfolio is fucked. But the good thing is, the stock market usually sees this earlier than what the economy actually um, or the economy actually does. So it's what you call a leading indicator. So the stock market has crashed. However, the economy is still slowly going down. But what we'll tend to get, what we'll tend to see, is that potentially the stock market will go up before the economy starts to come back. Okay. So it's like a predictive... Kind of, yeah. It's If you start seeing a, an improvement in your portfolio, you could start to get an idea of, oh, maybe the economy is getting slightly better. So what you're trying to tell me is everything's going to be okay. Well, I, I mean, I'm no optimist, but... <laughs> I'm no optimist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to think so. With all his financial stuff, he keeps his finances under his bed, his cash. <laughs> um, okay, look, I'm essentially a narcissist and yep. would like to know, this is all this is all interesting and I know it's complex and I know it's hard to talk about, but is there any kind of simple advice for what... if If people are fortunate enough to have... Spare cash knocking about at the moment. Should they keep it under the mattress? Should they get it out? What What should I do? Great question. Love it, Dave. Thanks. So if you've got some spare cash, first thing you want to do is you want to divide it up into three different risk pots, is what I'd call them. So 
the part of that money that you know that you're not going to need in the next 12 months, the part of the money that you think that you won't need within one to five years, and then the five-year-plus money, okay? Okay. So, because that's really important, because what you don't want to do is, say you've, you've got 500 quid, and you're like, all right, I want to do something with it, but I know I'm going to need it in, in three months' sure. time, okay? It'd be really bad advice for me to say, go and invest it in the stock market. It looks really low at the moment, yeah. even though it might be a really good entry point. No one actually knows what the it's stock market is. a bit like throwing it all on red, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's impossible to predict. No one knows if it's going up or down. That'd be, it'd be silly. Um, so that'd be my first bit of advice is, is the 12-1-5 is what I call call it it was 12 um, 5 one earlier wasn't it it's a very different football <laughs> formation it's very 12, defensive yeah 12 a lot of people at the back um, so so sorry why is the why is 12 12 i've not heard 12 5 or 1 you've said three pots yeah so 12 okay. months got you sorry. so your first pot will be 12 months or less yeah your second pot will be one to five, and then your third pot will be five years plus. Got you. Got you. Okay, so, so it is 12 on five. Okay. 12 on five. So for the first pot, your 12 months, I would say don't invest it in anything risky right now. That is your cash money. And cash money. Cash money. <laughs> and I apologize for that noise. But the great thing is, is that as we just spoke about, being a saver right now is actually really good. So if you have cash, you're going to be getting potentially between three and a half, four percent on that cash. Um, so it's not like you're getting nothing. Whereas maybe five years ago, you'd actually be getting like half a percent maximum. Um, so being a cash person right now is actually fine. Um, and there are some really good places to put it. I th I'd say depending on, and this is again, really important. Everyone always defaults to putting into like a cash ISA that's not necessarily the best place to put it because cash ISAs will tend to give you a slightly lower interest rate than just a normal savings account. Um, it does depend on whether or not, it depends on how much you're going to put in it, okay? So if you're a basic rate taxpayer, you've got a £1,000 tax-free interest allowance every year. If you're higher rate, you've got 500 And if you're an additional rate, you've got zero. So if you think that you're going to make say let's say you're a high rate taxpayer okay let's say you're gonna you think you're gonna make more than 500 pounds in interest in that year you're better off putting into a cash ISA because you're gonna be start paying you'll you'll pay your income tax rate on that interest and it's just not worth it it really dilutes the amount you're gonna get but if you think you're gonna make 400 pounds in interest looking at a different option and putting it into a savings account which isn't wrapped in a cash ISA is actually not a bad idea because you could it could be the difference between half a percent or one percent I don't actually I don't think it's actually as big as one percent I think it, it, it could be more like three quarters to 50 basis points um so it's it's not loads but it's worth worth thinking about okay. um for the for your one to five year, I'd recommend going. So I wouldn't go risky because, again, you could be really unlucky. You could make you could, if on average stock market's up three out of four years. Okay, you've got a good chance of making money, which and that's that is 
that is what the data shows. It, it tends to be on average, and we all know what averages are like. The six foot yeah, man. Six foot that. man. Um, Drowning in a three foot lake. <laughs> but you could be really unlucky, and you could your day one investment could be that one bad year. Sure. Um, which which means that you'll be down on on your money. So you want to be looking to invest in a small amount of risk. But I would, to be honest, I would actually be looking at more of your fixed term accounts these mm. days rather than actually taking any proper investment risk. So. You can, again, similar, just use Google. You can type in like a three-year fixed mm. savings account, okay? It means that you put your money in, but you can't touch it for three years. But what you get is a better interest rate. And I think some of them on the market, you're looking about five, five and a half percent, which is not too bad. I mean, I do caveat both of those with that all the time inflation is above that rate. Your real return is lower. You're, you're getting a negative real return, okay? okay. Does that make sense? So if inflation is at 5% and you're getting a, you've locked in a 4% return, you're actually getting a negative Got one you. real yield is what yeah, you'd yeah. call it. I okay? Because, yeah. Um, and then for your five years plus stuff, that's where you start taking your risk with it because okay. you, probability wise, you're going to make more money if you're going to not touch it and you've got that longer term time horizon and like based on like if i was giving you advice right now you're young strapping young boy <laughs> young dumb enough for the <laughs> um, advice you yeah exactly you've got you've got a long time horizon like worst case scenario you lose all your money you're gonna you you've got time to recuperate it it's not the end of the world right so i'd actually advise you to take as much risk sure. as possible because that also means you've got the most chance at at making above inflation returns okay. and also making a really good return in the in the stock market again using another averages another average even though i hate it like if you whacked it in a s&p 500 which is the us um us index which basically tracks all the, the top 500 uh, companies in the us you're looking at like an average return of like eight nine percent um, a year again like that doesn't happen sometimes it's 15 mm. sometimes it's two sometimes it's negative so okay i so so, so i get it but in terms of from an advice point of view you've got cash money spare in the shorter term investments in the, in, in the year you're looking virtually no risk at all medium term a little bit more risk and long term is where you would start to be... Balls out. Balls on the table. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a, a question about if this is it. So, so, so you're... And, and the part of this podcast is, you know, providing professional advice to people and not just going, buy Bitcoin because, you know, not just going off tra um, trends and fads. Do you listen to your own advice with this investment? Oh, great question. Because, actually, because I know with physio stuff that I'm a lot better as a physio than I am a patient right so yeah. do you listen to this your this rule yourself yeah no I, totally actually because I when I was younger I, I made the mistake of not doing that and I bought some spivvy Chinese tech stocks and all this kind of stuff like Lost. I wondered why you were trying to sell me that laptop. <laughs> Lost a bit of money. But the, I mean, the good thing is like I didn't put a lot of money in, so it's not, not the end of the world. So now I'm a lot more conservative with it because 
Um, it just have to be because otherwise you, you do end up losing money. It's really easy to lose money mm. in the stock market, I think, is is where people do forget. Like when it goes up for so long, you forget that it does also go down. And that's yeah. what's happened to like people have felt that in the last year. Yeah. Um, I guess on the five year, like when I say balls out, it, like you can, again, use another rule. Um, I call it the 110 rule. I mean, I don't call it that. I think other people call it as well. So <laughs> you're not you're not coining the term. Yeah. So if you're looking to take a lot of risk and your time horizon's more than five years, you can use what's called the 110 rule, and that is a really good rule of thumb where you basically start on 110 minus your age. So for you, it would be 84. Nice. 80. Yes. No, no, 80, <laughs> 82. How old are you? <laughs> Don't ask such a personal yeah. question. I'm 82. Old and wiser than you mm. ever will be. Around 82. <laughs> Approximately. Approximately. And that. To the nearest that's, 10 superimposed on the chessboard. And that's the portion that you allocate to equity. And then the other part of that is where you put it into slightly lower risk stuff to okay. just to like balance out the the journey that you're going to be on because otherwise yeah it could be a bit of a ride but like it's different for everyone if you feel more more risk taking you can just go 100 percent or leverage it go 110 why not borrow some <laughs> no don't it's a high no, interest yeah. rate and we're it, not meant to be borrowing right now exactly Dave. well done well thank done. you I'm learning um, so yeah that's, that's that's my general advice with if you've got yeah. a bit of cash it's it's I'm yeah can't give anything too specific no of there, course but. not okay um and you wouldn't invite, advise the old cash under the duvet in a time of turbulence can it be safer to just go I'll hold on to this. Who has cash anymore? No, that'd no, be my no, question. No, no, this is a, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a so 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 holding it in a current account. Holding it current. So, okay, so current accounts. I would advise strongly if you have any money in a current account, get it out of your current sure. account, move it into a savings account. Okay. That's like you, these days, everything your current account will have a savings account attached to it, um, because your current account will be giving you zero, yeah. near enough 0% interest, okay? And even, like, just your day-to-day -day spending, mm -hmm. if you want to be super, like, specific, every single day, put in what put in your current account what you're going to spend, no more. Don't have, wow. don't have any... I mean, you don't have to go to that extreme, but, like, definitely don't have any more than you need, like, substantially yeah. in there. Like, if you've got your rainy day pot in your current account, move it right now because sure. you're you're just not you're not me you're you're losing out it's the opportunity cost of not getting a decent interest rate on okay. it um that would be my advice and if you want to take it a step further which i tend to do is and i wouldn't recommend this for everyone but with my my current account at the moment i've actually got a interest-free overdraft. I didn't realise you um, owned a bank account. Yeah, I know, I know. Because when we go to bars and stuff, you... <laughs> no, no, I thought you didn't. Uh, I, thought, I thought you didn't have a bank card. Um, so I've taken it a step further. I'm going to completely ignore that. <laughs> and I can see you properly shaking. And because I've got an interest-free overdraft, I actually use that. So I'm using the bank's money 
which means that all my money is always early interest in it. And I'm not, yeah, yeah. I think the most important part about that though is that it's interest free. Like and I'm, taking it, yeah. yeah, I'm never actually going to breach their interest because yeah, yeah, then sure. you start getting shafted. Okay. But a little, yeah, a little tip okay. that you could could do. A question, and it's probably all in the small print of the T's and C's, but no one reads them, do they? <laughs> if you lock into a, um, let me phrase this better, how quickly can a bank or, or an account? change their interest rate because i know i had an, an isa that was you know at the, i can't remember at the time three percent and then the next i checked they changed it i think they'd sent an email but it was like oh it's now 0.5 yeah yeah can they no. do that on can they tomorrow? yeah 100 so it's usually linked to whatever the base rate is so if if the bank of england tomorrow decide to cut interest rates in half mm-hmm. that's going to be reflected in what you're going to get paid so that is the only thing. That's why, though, getting a fixed rate in sure. your in in that one to five year band, which I mentioned, so the fixed rate savings account, you're fixing that rate. So they they can't just change that. Um, I mean, it's worth double checking the small print, but yeah, from from yeah. what I understand, they can't just flip flip that off. Um, so it's it's probably a decent time to actually fix in this rate because interest rates aren't really going to get going to get much higher from here. Okay. I mean, that's a forecast. Um, Claim. Yeah. Okay. I mean, inflation is is stickier than they thought, but it's unlikely that inflation okay. uh, interest rates will continue going up. But I mean, I say this now and they'll, they'll probably still go. Who knows? Yeah, fine. Scott. We have a closing tradition on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I've written a question down. No. Um, before we finish, um, thank you. I think that's clarified a few things. I think it's confused the fuck out of me in other ways, but yep. we've got other things to explore and play around with on other weeks and and we can't sit here all evening. Um, I I think that has been very useful. The takeaways I have taken home are um, regarding the 1215 rule. Yeah, quite nice. like that. That was quite, that was quite a good one. Um, Interest rates are very high at the moment. Yep. And if you are somebody saving money, it's a really good time to fix that interest rate in and lock your money into an account with a high interest rate and make the most of it. Is that correct? Yep. And if you're trying to borrow money, you're going to find that really quite tough right now. So maybe not the best time to start a a business or, you know, are banks approving people? taking money yeah i mean uh, relating it more to buying a house i think is probably relevant Mm -hmm. for everyone it's it's become really hard for first-time buyers especially um as as i guess everyone will will feel is the 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 issue is banks will give it based on affordability so if your if interest rates go up your affordability comes down so it means that you can't borrow as much to buy a house so in effect couple of years ago if you could buy a 400 grand house you can probably only afford 350 grand now so got you and it's just going to be as expensive um so yeah it's tough okay and that will will get you a one square meter flat in london well thank you scott next week we will pick up on something physio-y yep again physio-y see if one of the listeners uh puts in a question (laughs) If the listener puts in a question, um, <laughs> we need a sign out, Scott. 
from you as a financial advisory precaution? Yoda. As a financial advisory Yoda? Yes, everything I said today is my own opinions. And if you do need some more help... <laughs> You're making a very strong eye gondola yeah. with me. <laughs> Remember, always seek professional help. Thank you. Thank and you. goodbye.